Welcome to the Fustel Fit Podcast with your host, Nicola Fustel. Straight talking, body positive coach and personal trainer. Nicola brings you your weekly guide to finding real health and fitness and to live the life you deserve. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fusel Fit Health and Fitness Podcast and radio show on 91.8 Hayes FM. Today I speak to Christian McPhee who is my weightlifting coach and also our British champion of 2016. Please be aware this is the radio show live so there are a lot of noises going on in the background and lots of cuts where I've had to take out all of the adverts and the local news. So other than that, enjoy the show, check out the show notes on SoundCloud and we'll be back next week. So the first thing I asked my guest to do is just introduce himself and tell us a little bit about how he got into weightlifting. Yeah, so I um, essentially now I think everyone would class me as a as a weightlifter, Olympic weightlifter. Um, I, I won the British Championships last year. Um, I've won the British Under-23 Championships and British Student Championships. Um, and also the head coach of the Brunel University student team. Um, along with that, my coach... Uh, takes care of like our elite guys and he's Mike Pierman he was a national coach for many years and he went to the Olympics three times so so we're kind of quite involved heavily with British weightlifting um, before that though I was doing parkour or free running for about nine years um, and I was doing that professionally uh, like performance jobs as well as, as coaching too uh, so that was a lot of say gymnastics start, side of things uh, body weight exercises um, as well as obviously the the kind of uh, crazy stuff people think parkour is. Um, I just explain it to people like Spider-Man jumping on Spider-Man, the yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot more accessible now. I think when I started, like, we just wanted to be, obviously, as extreme as we could be. Um, but, yeah, I mean, through parkour, I got into the rock climbing side of things, gymnastics side of things. Um, and I also, also got a background in dancing, too. So, uh, along Why with that... you talented? Yeah, well, I don't know. Talent is strong, but I, I say I've I've been exposed to so many different elements. It kind of makes you adaptable for all all sports, um, and that's what I think a lot of people kind of miss. Uh, if you know, say, if you only do football, or even if you only do just one thing like gymnastics or something, it, I think the best thing you can do for a lot of people is have loads of skills so that you're always your always body's always adapting to different things. Obviously, if you want to compete, it's a different it's a different kettle of fish but but then as they say master like jack of all yeah, trades master yeah. of none but you're pretty good at a few things <laughs> well yeah but i've never I, I i did two i did parkour for two years overlapping with weightlifting and i remember one time we did this um we did like a a, a week in birmingham they this jcb we work for jcb the, the truck company they do dancing diggers where they they essentially put the diggers on their sides and do loads of like stunts with these with these diggers because they have such you know strong hydraulics. It's kind of crazy. It looks really good if you if you YouTube JCB digger out. team. They're pretty fun <laughs> if you like that kind of stuff. Um, but we we did parkour on the diggers, so they would do like a set up some sort of ramp thing, uh, and we had scaffolding. We did this big show in in, in Paris and in Intermat, but they rented out the whole. If you've ever ever been to the uh, NEC in Birmingham, it's massive, right? So you've got the the big exhibition halls. They rented out the whole hall. Uh, just for our rehearsals for the week, um, so it was just it was madness to have such a That's such massive. a big space. Yeah, yeah, it was huge, but it was great. We had this whole week, we rehearsed it, and then on the Saturday I came back, competed in my first weightlifting competition. Um, I think I got fourth or something, which wasn't bad for the first time. Um, and then the next day we flew out to Paris to do um, do the actual performance for the week as well. So 
when, when I was doing that, my head was all over the place of, of where I wanted to be and uh, and and kind of where I wanted to take take the direction. And, and I kind of fell out of love with with parkour because of the performance side of things, kind of forcing you to do stuff that you know usually I I did it for myself. So then. Uh, because my coach was so serious, you know, he said, oh, "If you want to be good at it, you've got, you've got to dedicate to the to the sport and you know, drop drop the other thing I did." So that's that's what I've been doing basically ever since, and been um, you know, uh, plowing away to kind of get as good as I can, which proves to be, you know, certain injuries and stuff I've carried forward, or, or you know, stiffness and lack of flexibility. It's been like a long journey. You sound like an old man for the people who are on air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're actually quite young, aren't you? Uh, 26. Is that young now? Weightlifting-wise, it's a mix. I'm probably mid-range. So say. tell us then, what was life like as a child, and what was your family like in terms of health and fitness? So this is this is why my, my brain's... Uh, so I take everything so seriously. One guy said to me, no matter what I do, I always take it to the like nth degree. So when I did parkour, I took it as high as far as I could. Now weightlifting, I try and take it as far as I could. So my mum, she runs a dance and drama school as well as like a, a kind of health centre as well now. But originally it was just a, a, a dance school that moved into drama as well. Um, and that's called Jam 2000 in, in Ryslip. Um, so essentially she was, she came from show business rather than just teaching dancing. So she already had a professional career. Um, she won the talent programme, which is like X Factor back in the day, called New Faces. Um, the partner Gary Wilmot, so they they um, they did that. So my dad was uh, just they happened to meet. He was like a, a stage manager or something at, at uh, ironically Butlins, um, and apparently he was the one who told her she wasn't any good. So um, from that, they kind of had this. Like my dad likes to tell everybody what um, uh, what he should do. He's got great ideas, but my dad's not the performer, shall we say? But my mum is. Uh, so with that, I've got kind of serious dad with ideas. My mum's takes it quite there. So that, that surrounded by that as a kid, I'd definitely say uh, e everything I've done has always been, you know, quite a hard work ethic from both parents. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I always I'm quite an intrinsically motivated person. So with that, like individual sports really attracted me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I fell out of love with football originally because I, I, I was. I was good at football, but I, I, you had to rely on a team basically, and <laughs> I didn't like that. But when I found parkour, I was like, "Wow, this is this is awesome!" and and so yeah, I, I kind of took that to that level. But with the dancing side, I never really, I wasn't. Well, I did it for twenty years. It wasn't like I I wanted to be a dancer or anything. I think I just in it was just something separate from everything else I did. Um, and the shows are always fun. Like performing, I liked. And ironically, with weightlifting, you are on a stage um, and you are performing. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So did you actually do like theatre productions or just dance? Uh, we, well, yeah, the drama side we did do, we did do, a, you know, um, definitely the theatre side of things and I did, I think I did drama A-level as well. Um, but I know the teacher at, at my school like was begging me to do all the, to do the, the theatre plays but I, I just wanted to train parkour, I didn't want to, because you have to give up a lot of time for that stuff and I already gave up a fair bit of time for my mum's productions. So, I mean, for me, uh, I think I, if if I didn't hate everyone in in theatre, like it's a very clicky kind of play, I, I would love to do it, and I love acting. Um, but yeah, I think I always felt like it was too. It, it, the, the culture is almost as I don't like it as much as I the kind of like football culture, where, which was like 
I don't know, we were getting people like threatening to beat us up in the car park and stuff. We just started playing some rough games and I was like, I don't really want to be involved with this. Wow. And then with the theatre stuff, it was like, uh, I had to listen to some guy on a gap year, how he'd been in South America for five months or something. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, I, I really pulled away from that. Um, and I, I just like, I don't know. I think with weightlifting, um, and I'm sure you found it, is that with you can't hide from the numbers. Your performance um, can show your hard work. Um, but with obviously, you know, say your side of the, the fit, fit physique side of things, a lot of people have good genetics or, you know, they can take certain supplements so that you can actually look better than you actually are. Uh, and and with you mean lifting, like with bodybuilding type yeah, exercise? Yeah, yeah. You, you can't, you, some guys look fantastic with very little training and some guys work really hard and they're just not built to look like that. So you can you can hide the hard work quite easily or easier than, than when weight, weightlifting you can't really, because the technique holds you back. So that's why I kind of pushed into that because it's almost like you can't, um, you can't fake it and that's why I think I get so attracted to uh, weightlifting and even things like parkour because it's quite a scary sport so if, if you're if you're not very strong in your mind then um people tend to find it uh they, they almost drop out of the sport completely because it's too stressful well i am going to ask you about that later on with um all of your thrill factor things that you do um but how did you originally get into weightlifting so obviously you said you've done the dance then you did the parkour mm, mm. what attracted you to the weightlifting and when did you first start well, I think like it's really important for people to realise that um, Olympic weightlifters have the the biggest vertical jump out of all Olympic athletes. So, compared to the long jumpers, high jumpers, sprinters, the weightlifters can jump higher from a standing power output than than any of them. Um, as well as say, even if you put them across a sprint of ten metres, then they're, they're most likely to either beat or slightly match the the sprinters. So essentially with parkour we wanted to have a massive jump to to be able to essentially jump over a building um and the uh one of our guys was doing a strength and conditioning course at st mary's so um he we we got onto a big discussion about weight training being good for like uh strengthening your tendons even like bone density and power output as well because with 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 uh, producing power you want to have as much speed as well as strength and with parkour we um we had a lot of speed but we weren't very strong overall so if you increase your strength if you get strong in your legs if for anyone out here is, is want, wants to be faster or wants to be stronger um you know resistance training can can notch the body up to that to the next level so essentially we just did squats and deadlifts which most people know now is really good for like toning the legs as well as um uh back strengthening um and 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 helping essentially uh, stop you losing your your kind of uh, posture, health, and things like that. So, um, as well as doing Can that, I get you to hold fire on the rest yeah. of that. We just have to take a little break. We'll be right back. Looks like we're back on. So, welcome to the Fusel Fit Health and Fitness Show, ninety one point eight Hayes FM. So, some adverts are a little bit shorter than others. So that was quite a short one. So, we're going to dive right back in talking to Christian McPhee, and we were talking about your squats and deadlifts. So yes. how you got into weightlifting from doing parkour? Yeah, so um, so yeah, we I basically did uh, did the, the standard squats, deadlift, bench, essentially quite similar powerlifting movements, um, and I noticed a massive uh, decrease in knee pain. So a lot of you have got knee pain. I, I do recommend doing full range of motion squats, even if it's not not that heavy. But so you're talking about astagraph squats? Yeah, yeah. It, obviously, if you've got the mobility, but I think full range of motion is is essentially a, a good indicator of whether you're you're in good shape 
um, and a lot of people avoid avoid the the full range of motion just for the sake of um, uh, kind of lifting more weight, which is probably worse for for your health side, but might look better on Instagram or something. Um, but yeah, so we we did that, and then um, uh, there was there's rumours that essentially Olympic weightlifting is is yeah, those 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 guys have the biggest vertical jump so we were like okay well we've strengthened our knees we've got stronger our jumps got a bit bigger but how can we take it to the next level so uh i i traveled all the way to crystal palace because you know the, the sport was so it was kind of prior to the boom of crossfit so there were were not many gyms that claimed to be doing olympic weightlifting so i traveled all the way to uh, crystal palace and you know i live out th- out this way anyway so uh i think i had a motorbike at the time so it took me um probably like over an hour and 20 or something to get there maybe an hour um but it's during the summer as well so i was wearing all my gear because i was new rider and i was sweating sweating to death i remember turning up um doing a whole session with like a broomstick for about two weeks uh and then i just couldn't travel it anymore uh, travel there anymore and it was coached by keith morgan um at crystal palace is kind of meant to be one of the kind of national or one of the, the main london weightlifting centers um so it was a, it was a cool place to train but it's just too far. However, my friend carried on for one year. I carried on doing squats and deadlifts. The year later, I came and watched him at a competition at Crystal Palace, and I just so happened to sit next to this dad that said, he said, oh, are you, are you competing? And I said, no, no. And he said, well, that's my son. And I said, oh, where's he trained? He said, Brunel. So I was like, oh, I, and I, I didn't really know much about Brunel at the time, but I just knew it was in Uxbridge. So he said, yeah, there's a coach there, Mike Pierman. If you go over and talk to him, and I was like, yeah, yeah, cool, cool, I'll have, a, I'll have a chat with him in a bit. And he's like, no, 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 go over now. So he dragged me over, and um, and so basically, if it wasn't for this parent just forcing me to go speak to Mike, uh, Mike was like, yeah, come down Tuesdays at four or something. Uh, so it's good to have a pushy parent. Even yeah, 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 because I think he knows, like, the sport's so small, especially back then it was tiny, to get, like, every you need everyone you can get, you know. And, and when Mike met me, he, he saw... He kind of just said, Let's show me a snatch. And at that time, I hadn't done snatch for like a year. He just said, show me the snatch. So I grabbed the bar. And then it just kind of started from there. So no one actually taught me from the ground up, really, apart from Keith uh, a year before with a broomstick. So I kind of just threw myself in. Um, and uh, that's kind of how I, I went in. And then within two weeks, I dislocated my shoulder on a on a snatch balance. But essentially, it was a, it was an accident waiting to happen because I had shoulder problems from uh, imbalances from parkour from a lot of the handstand work we did we got quite dominant in the in the upper traps and your shoulders and your neck so the the shoulders weren't sitting in the in the kind of correct position so i've basically been played from correcting my shoulder for for my whole career i'd say so far <laughs> um it took me a long while to get there but you know it's inspiring and from a coaching perspective it's been great to to kind of learn from that but that's basically from there i got super addicted it's a very addictive sport if you like kind of tracking numbers progress um and because of parkour, I'd, I had a lot of power to begin with, so I started quite high, but then I had to, I've had to dial it back a lot and learn technique, relearn technique, and correct things. So um, sometimes you're better off being. I mean, Nicholas, when you tried it, you've been very strong from the beginning, um, but uh, you know you're, you're quite patient. But a lot of blokes that start off strong just lose it generally. And, and I, I'm quite, I'd say I'm quite patient, but I wish I would have had maybe had. Um, a coach that would have said drill this for now and I had a lot of people help me out but I think you know for anyone who wants to try it you've got to spend at least you know three years really uh, laying the foundations so that you know the next years are, are perfect versus doing like a 
uh, a rushed in first year um but you know yeah see that's what i want to know really how long does it take <laughs> yeah to get good and how do you classify good i but know we're gonna come back to that uh, we do have a break coming up in three minutes. I don't want to ask you a really lengthy question. But there's so many, like, terms to do with weightlifting. And I wasn't even sure in the beginning, like, powerlifting, Olympic lifting. Like, what's the difference? So, uh, there used to all be one kind of sport. Like, weightlifting was weightlifting. And then um, during, I think, the 70s, there was a big branch off between... Because they got rid of the clean and press, which loads of people would have heard of back in the day. You clean it and then you press it above your head with your arms. Uh, they got rid of that. So then... Essentially, the snatch, clean and jerk are quite athletic gymnastic movements. So the guys that were quite big, like the classic kind of power, uh, big kind of large bull guys uh, who generally do powerlifting now, uh, they were kind of alienated from our sport. So then powerlifting is just squat, bench and deadlift, um, strength style sport. So even though it's called powerlifting, there's not essentially much power. Whereas Olympic lifting is fast speedy uh, and athletic and it's the only type of weightlifting that's in the olympics so for those of you who want to go to the olympics i'd train olympic weightlifting for those of you who want to get kind of strong uh like overall and kind of love a bit of bench press then yeah powerlifting is a sport for you <laughs> but they you can also compete in powerlifting can't you yeah i mean i'm terrible at bench press but my my deadlift is quite strong um and then my squat as well is quite strong so at my body weight I could, I, if I just trained bench press, I could go compete in powerlifting, yeah. Because I guess that's where the two merge together, isn't it? Because obviously to be strong at Olympic lifting, you have to do squats and, and deadlifts. deadlifts. Yeah. yeah, so a lot of people don't realise, like, squats and deadlifts are assistance exercises to us. So we don't, loads of people ask us, oh, you're a weightlifter, like, how much do you bench? You know, but we don't actually do any bench press, really. Like, some guys do it to strengthen their kind of, their triceps and um, and shoulders for the jerk, but... A lot of the time, like for myself, I'm quite tight in the shoulders anyway, so it's going to tighten me up more to do bench press. Um, but, you know, I think maybe if I retire from Olympic lifting, uh, it might be fun to do a few powerlifting competitions, which a lot of weightlifters do. Like Delroy McQueen was a good Olympic weightlifter. I think he won medals at the Commonwealth. Um, he definitely holds a British record for the, the clean and jerk still. He just went into powerlifting and broke some world records there. What's so. that record? Do you remember? Uh, for clean and jerk, yeah, uh, two hundred and ten. It was more than the heavyweight, super heavyweight clean and jerk record um, at the time. And I think his, his squat. I'm pretty sure he squat four hundred and fifty kilos or something in powerlifting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we're going to take the local news and we'll be right. Tell us, Christian, what's your schedule like? So, how many days are you training, and what types of lifting are you doing? Because you mentioned before, squats and deadlifts really help with Olympic lifting. Mm. So, so we do. Uh, Essentially, our heavy days are on so Tuesday, Thursday. That's more of like a logistical issue with when my coach turns up. So um, Mondays will be a kind of uh, a focus on kind of uh, my weaknesses, my technique weaknesses, um, as well as some assistance exercises such as like core work. Because you have to do a lot to a lot of core work with weightlifting because uh, a lot of people don't realise like when people wear that belt, it's usually signalling a weakness in, in the core. If it helps, it helps me lift more weight. But if you're wearing a belt for any of the guys in the gym all the time, it usually means you haven't been your back's not strong enough and your core's not strong enough. Because if you have weak abs, your back will take the brunt of it. So making sure I do that on the Monday will mean that my heavier session on Tuesday is one safer but also stronger because it helps the kind of strength carry through with your legs. Um, so we, we we have to do a lot of technique work overhead. So if anyone wants to see what we do, if you just go on YouTube and and type in snatch uh, weightlifting, then you'll find. Uh, 
you'll see how kind of crazy the overhead position is. That that position there for me is my weak point, so I have to drill a lot of that and kind of warming that up on a Monday is great. Tuesday we usually do the full lifts, so when we say full lifts, we mean coming from the floor and doing doing it. So the snatches coming from the floor to above in one movement, um, and the clean and jerk is from the floor to your shoulders and then from your shoulders to above your head, and that's the kind of classic what everyone thinks weightlifting is. Um, and then Wednesday is usually lighter stuff or I might even have it off. And especially with my injury in my shoulder recently, I've had to make sure I do have those days off um, because there's only so much squats you can do when you've got an sh uh, injured shoulder. Then on a Thursday, um, it usually be a focus on, say, I might clean and jerk first and then snatch afterwards because then it kind of flips around. But I still try and focus more on the, on the full lift so that I can get better coaching. Friday, um, I usually do a lot of jerk work. So uh, working overhead to strengthen, like push press, um, and uh, and making sure I've got that stability overhead because a lot of people when they start they, they kind of wobble around and my best jerk's one one fifty five off the rack so that's coming out of like a squat rack where the bar already starts on your shoulders so so, so you don't have to do the clean from the floor that that kind of movement there is, it, when I started was very weak because I just thought you could just wangle it um, I thought you could just get super strong in the squat and then just throw the weight up and which was a complete mistake so I wasted a lot of time I had a really uh, had a strong clean but I couldn't even jerk it and from a competitive standpoint uh, if you can only do 50% of the of the movement then it doesn't mean anything in competition um, but I think you know if I was just training for for general health and fitness I think I would have just picked the pick the exercise I like doing and forget about snatch um, I love snatch. <laughs> yeah, well, I think... It looks the best, so I Yeah, think. yeah, you move quite fluid. You're more flexible than me, so... Uh, I think uh, when, when, when that movement goes well, it's a lot easier. But I think people really enjoy it. You know, a, a, good, a good snatch movement feels quite... Uh, I don't know. It feels almost like uh, clockwork, you know. It just kind of um, slots in at that right position and it doesn't feel heavy. Um but you know when when you do the bad technique it feels pretty horrific <laughs> and like yeah if you're a bit stiff as well but then Saturday uh, usually I'll just do a more assistance work we do a lot of like Romanian deadlifts as well to strengthen our backs and hamstrings um, do you do like single legs? yeah yeah so I think uh, with a sport like weightlifting because you're using two legs for a lot of the movements and then only one leg for that split jerk when one foot goes uh, in front and one foot goes behind when you punch it overhead that movement um, naturally creates these imbalances. So working a lot on like single leg movements, um, as as I said, with the, even working with single single arm movements are really important. And especially for anyone training in the gym, like if you're only going to use the kind of machines or you're only going to do a bench press and stuff, you people generally find uh, over time you get some sort of injury come up. And I think all the single arm stuff and single leg stuff really points out up, uh, kind of uh, prehabilitative exercises. So doing realizing okay that's really weak on that arm maybe if i do that i'll stop an injury in the future which a lot of the time you know we ignore and uh, and pay the price in the future which isn't isn't something you want to do so going back to the question that i asked you earlier how long how long does it take to be good and what is the marker of good i.e is it like a lift per your body weight i think um i mean my coach had this discussion so if you look at the world class level like you just can't even digest how strong these guys are and and the weights they do so it's almost like pointless to even compare because um from a from a world class perspective there's no one really that's made it in the top 
say top five or whatever that hasn't started at about 12 years old and and we're not talking dedicated to weightlifting at 12 years old we're just talking about exposure to the movement so the techniques ingrained early on then all those pushy parents listening get your kids yeah get your kids into it exactly (laughs) you know the old tiger woods but that's what a lot of kids have done you tend to find that a lot of coaches sons become very good weightlifters because their coach has realized okay He's 12 years old or he's 8 years old, let's just let's just give him a little stick and he can practice the technique. And then when they hit about 16, they might still be doing another sport. Like Andy Callard, he's got two sons at the moment. Uh, one of them did cycling to a quite high level and the other one does judo. Um, and they're, they're fantastic, they work so hard. But one of them's just been to the World, world Juniors to compete um, and he's on the ranking list for the adult class, for his weight class. Um, so he's he's and he's not even they're not even fully dedicated weightlifters, but he's kind of introduced uh, such a variety of skills with them that now this you know sixteen year old um, he might be seventeen now, but he's he snatches I think a hundred and clean and jerks one hundred and thirty kilos at sixty two kilo body weight, which is very light um, and really strong for for his age. So, um, but he's not injured because his dad knows that if you get if you lift too heavy. Uh, the kind of weights they're doing and train too hard at that age just weightlifting for example it, it it not only like kind of hinders their potential but also kind of peaks them a bit too early um so you know there's no, there's no rush with weightlifting so much like you you, you want when you're 16 years old you know train hard till you're 20 and then you should be peaking when you're you know 25 24 it takes a lot longer um to peak if you know you don't use any certain supplements like cer- certain other countries have you tend well, to we're going to come back to that, talk yeah. about supplements and nutrition as well, right after this. Welcome back to 91.8 Hayes FM with myself, Nicola Fustel. I think we're going to dive straight back into the questions with Christian McPhee and talk about nutrition because we were just talking a little bit off air and I was asking him if he enjoys himself and has some alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> but what I really wanted to know, one of my questions was, does nutrition come into play a lot more with weightlifting in terms of your recovery and gaining strength and performance? Um, I think first of all it comes down to your weight class so if you're if you're just doing weightlifting as a hobby I think it's just really important to make sure you get ironically like we all say it but get enough protein in because uh, just the repair rate is is you know got to be really high um, in terms of uh, carbohydrates and things and energy levels it's it's really a mixed bag we're not like running you know you don't need to carbo load or something like that um, so some people find they kind of enjoy the carbohydrates during training i definitely recommend having carbohydrates prior to training whether that's through uh you know a slow release source like brown rice or whether it is through slightly faster release like even oats is, are faster release there but I, I wouldn't say anyone really has like energy gels like or lucasade there's some guys that like drinking red bull before they train but i'm not an advocate of the uh kind of energy drinks because I, I think your your heart rate goes too high and with weightlifting you want to be in control a bit more rather than like panicking that makes sense because your heart rate goes really high doesn't it yeah yeah and i, like I, I can't concentrate yeah yeah <laughs> and you need to be patient through the first bit off the floor control it and then then accelerate so um yeah that makes sense yeah in that way it's so different from every other sport isn't it yeah i think you know there's there's a kind of because of the mix of bodybuilding in the gym world um where a lot of people are taking pre-workouts to kind of push through the next barrier, it, people naturally adopt that that kind of lifestyle. But I, I just don't think it's that conducive to to what we do as our sport because it's very like you do your lift, then you rest, you do your lift, and then you rest. So, I mean, 
I'd say I like coffee, but um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say um, there, there's there's not that much that's unusual with weightlifting. Like as long as you're eating a wholesome diet, you know, usually like eighty percent good stuff, and then twenty percent you can you can eat what you want. And especially if you're a heavier weightlifter and you're going for a weight class thing, people eat everything. You know, a lot of the the old school super heavyweights they would you know eat as much uh, you know greasy food as they can, and like you know the the kind of I know beef dripping sandwiches and things like that. Um, so it's all kind of you know, people struggle to keep weight on, ironically, compared to um, the other sports where it's like you know you're eating your salad or something like that. And uh, I think for me, I think uh, health's very important for the long term. So I think a well-rounded, nutritious diet is going to help you in the long term for the rest of your life. If you're looking like anti uh, anti cancer side of things, but then if you're uh, if you're looking for performance right now with weightlifting, I wouldn't say there's that much evidence to suggest a super healthy, you know, super clean diet helps that much. Because um, a lot of the guys... At the same time, you wouldn't be wanting to focus on aesthetics because you need yeah, to be focusing yeah, on your performance. Exactly. There's one coach that says if, if I can see uh, two packs, all right, but if I can see six pack, uh, if you come into the gym, you're not eating enough um, and he'll send you home from the gym. Because you're too aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> so is it a bit like rugby? Because um, I did a strength and conditioning course with a rugby coach. And, and he was teaching us that it's better to have more size because you've got more power behind you. Yeah. I mean, there's a Russian weightlifter called Alexiev in the 70s. And I think he held about... I, uh, I could be making this up, but I'm pretty sure it was like 100 world records or something like that. I was close, maybe 60 to 100. Um, that's a large amount of difference. By the way, there's a lot of world records. Uh, and he was he was he's known for positing the idea that fat surrounding the, the kind of muscle tissue and the bones provide support. Um, so that's the kind of what we tend to find is if a, if a lifter's getting quite injured, if they move up a weight class and put a bit more mass on, whether that is muscle, whether that is fat, they generally find they'd get less injured because there is a bit of cushioning around the joints, um, and and essentially, obviously, you're going to have a bit more muscle mass anyway just by going up in a weight class. So. It's, it's very unorthodox, you know, um, I, I would say. But, you know, weightlifters aren't, aren't in it for aesthetics so much. I think now we're getting a little bit more aesthetic side of things because, um, obviously, if you look better, there was, there was a famous Russian weightlifter called Klokov and his rival, Akayev. Akayev body was horrific. It was a bit of a dad bod, but he was better than Klokov. But Klokov had a fantastic physique, and he, he did a lot of physique work to look better, and he was on, like, Celebrity Dancing on Ice in Russia, the diving program as well, um, and now he's pretty much uh, amongst the CrossFit and weightlifting world, like a well-known name. So he's done very well out of it, because he looks like a superstar, he looks like an athlete, and the other guy just had no, no celebrity presence whatsoever, but even though he was the better... That's a shame. That's just the way of the world, isn't it? In any sport, yeah. even in your dance that you were doing before, people will be chosen because of the way yeah. they look. Well, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think he even wanted to be a celebrity. This guy, but it's uh, it's hilarious to see see the difference between the two. Um, but don't get me wrong. Like Klockoff's still a fantastic lifter. We're talking a few kilos difference here. Um, they're both they're both pretty amazing what they've done in their training. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I would say. Uh, on the on the whole, weightlifters don't yeah don't give too much too much on the aesthetic side. So, how much has genetics got to do with your strength and explosive power? Um, I think I think there's a lot of research suggesting that genes can kind of be switched on through through your activity that you do as a kid. Um, I've always done kind of 
sprinting power side of sports um, I am shorter anyway so uh, I, w- I would say that some people are just always going to be on the slow twitch side you know I can generally look at someone's biomechanics and, and the, the height of them and the way they move and, and kind of uh, posit from that whether they'll make a good weightlifter um, that's not to say they'll never be a good weightlifter because weightlifting is more about the work you do in training rather than the so much 100% genetics um, so can you tell if I'm slow twitch muscles <laughs> you're pretty fast, fast right pretty fast because um, everything I've ever done is um, slow, slow yeah yeah and yeah endurance it's wasted potential right there you know <laughs> but you're coming into the sport now you don't move slow in my opinion um, but I definitely think yeah you've uh, I think culturally in the UK we, we really love marathons you know oh Jenny's running a marathon this month give us some money oh you know Jenny too yeah 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 <laughs> exactly so it's, it's, it's just something we always think about is like we've always glorified endurance training um, which has created a kind of negative effect on, on the kind of popularity on, on uh, power sports um, because I think you know there's a difference in m- mentality between running for a long time and running as fast as you can, putting your heart and soul into that, that you know, 10 seconds. So I think if, if it, the more people try these power sports, and I would say probably 80% of the people I coach weightlifting have come from doing Tough Mudders, doing marathons, doing triathlons, and, and they actually, in their heart, they actually love weightlifting. They wish they would have found it earlier because they, they get addicted to it, but it just wasn't something they were exposed to, you know. And I train loads of people that have all come from these endurance sports and they're actually really powerful, but they've they've just done the wrong sport. If you if you're talking about genetic potential and stuff, if they would have done, you know, weightlifting younger, we would have had you know even more kind of progress in the country, or, or people doing it. So it is a bit of a shame. Yeah, definitely. Um, and skill versus strength. How much of weightlifting is skill um, compared to strength? Uh, yeah, I know. I. <laughs> I think last year, or no, a few years ago, like three years ago, I was convinced like it's all about the technique because I was strong and I just wasn't hitting the weights I wanted to. And then as as the kind of time's gone on, my techniques got better and then maybe my, my, I didn't push the strength as much as I should have. So with weightlifting, you'll never ever be too upset if you're strong. So if you can, uh, there's a good correlation between how high your back squat is to how high your uh, snatch and clean and jerk is. So we usually say about 80% of your back squat is your clean and jerk and about 80%, uh, 60% of your sn- uh, back squat is your snatch. So uh, working from that, if you've got, say, your snatch is about 70% of your back squat, well, it probably means you've got very good technique, but your back squat needs to go higher. So it would be a limiting factor, your back squat. So if you don't have strength, you you will really limit your uh, your lifts, your snatch, clean and jerk, no matter how good your technique is. However, if you don't have any technique, then it doesn't matter how strong you are, right? So you need both, um, but I would say the foundation for a lot of people, they need to get a lot stronger, and a lot of the people, like I said, that are coming from endurance sports generally are too too weak in the in the back squat, um, but very, very efficient in the lifts, um, especially women, because they're usually quite flexible, so they can hit the positions, um, but the weight's te- kind of crushing them a bit. So, you know, it's... Uh, I think it'd be better for people to do like a year's strength work and lighter on the lifts technique-wise rather than heavy lifts and uh, and less strength work because you can get injured if you don't have a good foundation in the stre- uh, in the back squat and the and the deadlift. How long do you think it will take to get really strong, um, build up strength coming from like Jenny, the marathon? Yeah, yeah. I think they'll have massive, we call them... Uh, 
beginner gains. So when you actually begin the sport, you generally progress each week, um, which makes people think they'll be like world champion within a year. Because you know, if I can put on 10 kilos each week, everyone's fantastic. Um, I think strength-wise, you need to do like uh, probably about six months to, to notice a, a kind of big difference in your strength, and then you're looking at probably two years to the next level, notch up in strength. Um, if you've got a good coach, they'll kind of keep that stagnation away, so you'll always improve. Um, but yeah, with with the actual lifts, um, I think you're looking at uh, six months to even get your head around the snatch, clean and jerk, and then uh, once again, like a two years to feel like you even know them, and then you're looking at maybe four or five years before you feel like, okay, I can say I'm actually a weightlifter in the sport. So it's quite a long, long-term sport. Um, even though it's they look on paper very simple, but I I dare you to try try and chuck 60 kilos above your head in one way. It's um, it's a very, very technical sport, even though I think people make it look very natural and easy when they do it. Yeah, it looks so easy, and it's obviously not. Um, so what kind of mindset do you think you have to be in before you train, and obviously competing as well, but obviously very different situations? Well, the uh, I, another coach, like you were saying, which part is technique, which part is strength, another coach has said like weightlifting is 90% mental, mental strength. Um, which you know, I think that's a bit steep. Yeah, I think it's a bit <laughs> too steep too, because you know. But it, it, it but always at the same time, yeah. If yeah. you are strong, but your mind's not in it today, you might yeah. not be strong. Yeah. So, so a lot of people I have to tell them, I have to say, look, you've got this program. It might say you have to go heavy today, but guess what? If you've had a hard day at work or stressed or um, a bad sleep, it's not the day to do it because um, you're more likely to get injured. Uh, you're more likely to, if you fail, live to be almost kind of depressed or something like that about it. Um, uh, some weightlifters, you know, do have a bit of a temper, um, but I, w I would say, uh, if, if in terms of being a, a high-level athlete with weightlifting, mentality is the most important thing. Um, whether you grow it over the time or you start with it, that's why um, uh, my biggest issue I have with with the kind of students we have today that come and learn to weightlift is is the kind of lack of. Um, exposure to kind of difficult me uh, sports me mentally like fear challenging sports whether that's martial arts um, or even like extreme sports like skateboarding and parkour and things like that where you're, you're challenged you might actually hurt yourself or you, your fear those kind of guys are fantastic you know even the rugby guys are a bit crazy so they're usually quite good at picking it up um, but if you start the sport coming from you know you've just pay played a few friendly friendly little sports or you've just come from the gym uh, weightlifting is a complete difference because people are terrified of chucking a weight above your head if it can land on you or something like that. And you know, and I think it, the ability to overcome your fear is is really important um, because you're going to have to push through lo push through the wall and push through the, the kind of fear boundaries. And like I said, it's not it's not a question of can you put the next foot forward to run a, for another hour. It's can you can you do that in in a millisecond movement and just commit. Uh, with all your effort into that into that movement, that's that's the challenge we want. So, I found women with fantastic athletic potential, and I found men with fantastic athletic potential, but without the strong mindset to to do the hard training, because weightlifting is really about ninety nine percent training in the gym, uh, and then or or not being able to put it together on the platform when you're out there under the pressure, under the or in front of the referee, in front of the audience, um, and on the stage, uh, and and frankly the best the best people in uh, for weightlifting are the people that can perform when it matters in in the 
in the competition um, from a competitive point of view. Some people are just gym lifters, like oh, lift massive weights in the gym and then can't put it together on the platform. Uh, there's a multitude of factors there, but um, I think yeah, if you can get a strong-willed kid um, and with 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 decent athletic potential, then you can get uh, a fantastic weightlifter, and that's kind of what you've seen with say someone like Jack Oliver, who's uh, essentially the best male lifter in the country. He's on all the physical tests they do on the like the jumps on. Um, uh, medicine ball throws and, and plyometric stuff where they test like how much can power can this guy produce it was he was I think one of the lowest I think he was like lower than some of the females as well as um, so but he's snatched the British record and he's came 10th in the Olympics so it's quite funny it's more about his work ethic it's so high and mentality is crazy if you ever meet him you just he's a bit like a robot you know he can have pain but he can power through he can be tired he can power through and, and it's all about the discipline in his mind um, and that's the years of training he's had. It's really interesting you say all that, and that's one of the reasons I'm really attracted to it. I just think it's all about the mind, really. <laughs> um, do you have to get yourself into like a positive state? And when you're actually doing a competition like a lot of sports, mm. do you have to visualise it before it happens? Yeah. So um, I really struggle. Like I've, I've had been in a competition, and uh, I've, I've missed my first snatch or second snatch. And uh, and my coach has been like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" And I, I was like, "I can't, I can't actually visualize the lift. I can't, I can't see it happening, and I can't feel it. And if you can't feel it, you're in trouble." So with lifting, that's why I really recommend people just you know watch videos and re repeat and try and get it into your mind and, and visualize uh, the success of the lift. So that's why I think a lot of people who are erring on the side of kind of. Uh, troubles in their life whether it's um, you know home life or just just kind of like work and things like that if, if, if that's a negative side of things weightlifting can be a fantastic escape but also if, if weightlifting goes badly then then it all kind of crumbles in so you tend to find people that go through a hard time while they're training weightlifting they tend to almost back away from from lifting because of the, the kind of negative side of things so I think uh, someone who can um, you know so you think it's better to control your emotions? Yeah, I think I think weightlifting can can really provide a platform for you to be able to overcome your fears, um, and 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 if, you know if you if you are successful, then you're in a fantastic position to actually be more positive than ever before. To see see you face adversity and come out from it with success, with a medal, um, or with a qualification to a bigger competition, something like that. Um, even in the gym, if you if you set yourself a goal of I'm going to clean and jerk my body weight. Then and you do it, then you know what anything else in your life you can you can challenge. There's nothing. There's there's not much else that, that can throw at you. You know through hard training and and doing a kind of hard hard movement like that. That's that's something that I think can can trans transfer into the rest of your life. Um, so just on that note, then because I don't think we answered that in the question before about what does it, how do you know when you're good? As in, is that a good marker then? Cleaning and jerking your body weight. Yeah, I think we we notch it up in goals. We were going to do little prizes in for Brunel. We were going to say, right, okay, if you do, if you do a clean and jerk with your body weight as the first goal, um, first goal, <laughs> uh, yeah, as the kind of first you know build up goal. How far are you off? I don't know what I weigh. <laughs> <laughs> Smashed my scales. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. As, as a, I'd say from the male perspective, to be taken seriously, the first step would be to snatch your body weight. Mm. Saying that, it probably wouldn't be that far, because I did lift 51, didn't I? 
Yeah, I don't think you're that far. I, I estimate that I weigh about 62, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's not that far <laughs> from, from what you've done, but you did good technique as well. So it's just build build, a, build it up slowly, you'll be there within no time. So um, I'd say that, yeah. We don't generally say snatch body weight for women because, um, you know, you, it's just a, a slightly different ball game, long-term kind of thing. You, I, snatching body weight as a, as a future goal is definitely fantastic um, and achievable. But um, snatching more like 80% of your body weight or something like that is probably quite a good goal. But yeah, the, I'd say for the men, the next step would be to snatch 100 kilos. But clean and jerk-wise, like 1.5, your body weight is pretty good. Um, and quite hard to get to. But there's, there's qualification totals. So if you are quite athletic and you are, you've got a bit of fire in you, I'd really look at the... Go on BritishWeightlifting.org and, and look at the um, qualification totals. Um, I think you have to click on the competitions tab and then it's got the qualification procedures and they've got all the lists of what you need to what weights, to, we call them totals when you add your best snatch and best clean and jerk together, that's your total um, and then you you can have a little look and see what okay, what, 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 what would I snatch and you generally snatch less than your clean and jerk there's no one who does the same um, and then you add them together and then you have a goal so, you know, for, for 77 kilos, that's my body weight category um, the qualification total for the, for the the biggest championships in Britain is two five four. So if you if you can do two five uh, say two five four is like the ultimate say training goal from a career p- perspective. If you started a bit later, and then below that is the English Championships at two three three. I think two hundred thirty three kilos total, and then below that you've got the uh, London Southeast Regional Championships. Um, that's two. Two five, I think, at the moment, um, and then if I'm in an age group category, you've got say the British under twenty threes or juniors or youth championships, and they're even lower. So you've got stepping stones all the way up. Um, if you're over thirty five, you've got the British Masters as well. So if you go on, uh, just Google British Masters weightlifting, and they've got um, qualification totals there. And a lot of people have a fantastic time. They start weightlifting quite late, but they even end up going to the European or World Championships and competing for for their country um, and apparently they all have a great time out there so let's come back to that right after the news 91.8 Hayes FM local weightlift because I was just asking Christian off air um, about the accessory training and we mentioned before squats um, can we just go straight into squats like what is the difference between doing a front squat and a back squat and what should the weight differences be um, so the the back squat itself is kind of I would say the the meat and potatoes of uh, of all weightlifting. So it you know if you're going to do if you only got twenty minutes to exercise doing back squats all round. You know a lot of the f- people believe that doing squats is common kind of such a strong core workout in itself, let alone leg strength one, because the time under tension how strong your your core has to stay. But you know from a competitive standpoint, doing only back squat hasn't really. It, you know, you, you need to do the accessory work with the, with the core, um, but it really help your pulling strength because it strengthens your hamstrings, quads, lower back, abs as well. Um, so it's all round movement. The thing with the front squat is um, you put it on the front of your shoulders, not on your hands, like on the front of your shoulders with your fingertips on it. Um, you're going to load the front of your your legs a lot more, so the quads, um, and keep your back a lot more upright. So you're going to get less hamstring usage than you than you would would in the back squat so uh it's quite a good you know bodybuilders will use it to build the front of their legs up 
from an aesthetic point of view. I think front squats are fantastic for core as well. So uh, if you want to get a six pack uh, and get bigger and stronger, the front squats are really going to help. I think they're fantastic for everyone though in terms of posture. You have to keep very upright. You have to be quite mobile with it. So they're a great exercise for that. But in terms of the difference between the weight, uh, generally you'd expect maybe a gap of about 20 to 30 kilos. Um, maybe if, if, if your back squat's less it'd probably be about uh, 10 to 15 kilos difference but say if you back squat like uh, 100 you'd expect your front squat to be around 75 kilos um, my my back squat's like 205 and then my front squat's 185 so when they're even you need to do more of one <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and if your front squat's more than your back squat then you've got some serious serious issues in your back strength I'd say so in terms of um flexibility is everybody able to do weightlifting or do they need to do some kind of flexibility strengthening first like maybe the back i think uh everyone should be doing some sort of like uh kind of stability exercises whether you go to pilates or you go to yoga um essentially the uh the foundational movements that i would say you'd need to check out before you even start is can you do a body weight lunge so can you for example just stand there uh, step forward with one leg and touch that knee to the floor if you can do that fantastic and then I would say can you uh, squat all the way down without any body weight, uh, weight on your back um, if you can't you might have to say for example find you know small little plates to get under your heels that might help with some ankle flexion um, but if you've got uh, knee tracking issues so your knees kind of go on the inside of your of your toes when you squat down or you know, women tend to lean their, their kind of knees on the inside anyway, especially when they stand up, and that can create problems through your through your knees. So, uh, we really want those knees tracking line with those toes. Um, Isn't that glute work? Yeah, the glute. You know, a lot of glute work can help, but I also think it's just a cultural thing. Like women sit with their knees together anyway, so it's, uh, I don't think a lot of people don't even realise that you shouldn't have your knees. You know, knees are a hinge joint; they're not like some ball and socket ready to roll around. So. Um, I think a lot of people don't realise that they should be in line. But yeah, definitely glue work for a lot of people that can't do it. And you're saying like um, squatting right the way down to the floor, it's one thing being able to do that without any weight and then it's another even with your arms over mm -hmm. your head. Yeah, exactly. So how do you improve the flexibility of your back to be able to squat with overhead? Yeah, I think uh, uh, yoga is fantastic for that. Just that you don't have to go to a yoga class, you just need to Google, you know, simple yoga poses and stretches like the, the pigeon pose, for example, that stretches your glute when your kind of leg folds in front of you. Um, that, that movement there is really going to help uh, kind of reducing your amount of strain pulling on your knee, but also just kind of open up your hips a bit more. Um, you know, just even if... I think everyone should be working on the splits, even if your not aim is to do the full splits, but doing the position where you're, you've got a separation between your front leg and your back leg, so it opens up your hip and it opens up your hamstring, and especially coming from football, if anyone is from football, your hamstrings are usually horrific, so... Uh, I, you, you really find that kind of frees up your hips and releases your lower back and, and even if you sit down at the office it's a fantastic stretch to do um, so those kind of basics I, I don't know how but they're not that basic but I'd definitely say the foundational stretches um, will really help kind of uh, mobilise the area but I mean dynamic stretching is fantastic right so doing doing a lot of like leg swings in front of you behind and out to the side um, there's a simple one I do 
bit too hard to explain on the radio but it's, it's a really good exercise that doesn't require much flexibility to do but creates a lot of flexibility um, and that's how I warm up so when we trained the the 73 year old woman uh, Nanny Bren she um yeah, she couldn't just you know roll around on the floor like we do couldn't do yoga on the floor because it's quite a lot of effort but we could help she could hold onto a onto a um a pole and just kind of use that to balance herself and then we would do a bunch of uh uh kind of dynamic stretches and it'd really get her mobilized for the for the session without having to kind of risk any kind of you know they bruise like a peach don't they so you know so who is this nanny lady um i think i've seen her in a video at crossfit before yeah so we uh uh, you've met Dan Wheeler, haven't you? So he, Online, yeah. Yeah, so his wife now, they got married the other day, congratulations. They, um, her, her nan, um, uh, doesn't really do any exercise so much. She's, you know, she does the walking and things like that, but um, d me and myself and Dan were really interested in kind of uh, resistance training and weightlifting for, for the, uh, you know, over 50s. Um, because of the benefits, so you know, post menopause and stuff, the, the osteoporosis onset and things like that, it's it's a really important thing to do if you want to avoid avoid uh, the kind of uh, decay in, in the physicality. So we um, we want he wanted to really try and see if we could kind of do like a, a twelve week program to deliver um, the Olympic weightlifting movements as a kind of end to the program. Um, you know, for me, it's more about the the build up to the. To, to kind of doing the Olympic lifts rather than the Olympic lifts themselves because snatch, clean and jerk is quite complicated and it's, you know, it's, you know we're talking about foundational strength like the squat, deadlift, lunges, um, shoulder press, probably more beneficial. So, um, yeah, he came to me and said, uh, would you be able to train my, my girlfriend's nan, essentially? Um, she's really up for it. So uh, when, when she first came, she couldn't even do a, a lunge at all. Um, so I thought, oh, God... But in she worked so hard in the homework that she did, stretching she did every day, uh, and, and she was quite amazing, really. By the end, she deadlifted 70 kilos. Um, wow. She snatched, um, <laughs> I think, 22 kilos, and clean and jerk 25. Wow. Um, she was 74, so she aged So had she thing. done exercise before? She was just a beginner. No, she did ballet as a kid, and I think that might have been why she was such a freak athlete, but... Mm. You know, she's mind-blowing to me because she improved as fast as any young person, which shows the how how well the body responds to resistance training, no matter yeah. what age you are. People think, oh, I'm too old for it. It's more about the intensity you do it at and what exercises you choose. Um, but everyone will notice a benefit. Um, and I think the, the feeling you get, she said she's never felt her legs be so toned in her whole life, you know, and to hear that from a 74-year-old is pretty big time. So... Uh, you know, she had a massive transformation just in that short time, but that's because she, she loved doing it, it was something new, and it was also good for her brain, right, because as you get older, the less challenges. This is it's a technical sport, so she was thinking about it all the time, um, and she was working hard, and it was just it was fantastic to see, but I, I couldn't believe the, the, the way she could move, you know. Um, I, I honestly thought we'd be doing, you know, if she couldn't lunge her the first day, I thought, well, it was going to be, you know, it'd be good to get a lunge by the end Did of Did you week. have, like, video diaries or anything? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we've got some great videos. Um, if you go on Life Changing Fitness, uh, they they should be should be on there. Um, definitely on the social media, on the Instagram. I'm going to get all of these links off you later on because I will upload all this to a podcast as well. So then I can leave all the links so everyone can go and check out all the things you've spoken about. Awesome. But I just think, wow, to that nanny. I know. What she, was she thinking one day? And she woke up and thought, well, <laughs> I want to do weightlifting now. I know, I know. <laughs> she got us a nice card and I think a bottle of wine. Uh, for the, to say thanks by the end as well because she she was 
you know mind blown i think as well by how great she felt by the end of it how much easier it was to walk upstairs um and just day-to-day -day life was so much better and that that's something i'm so you know i'm really interested in um in developing because i, I just think uh you know 50s kind of the new 40 and you know 60 the new 50 so we, with that people are so much more active um than they used to be say my nan's generation where um they stopped doing exercise when they were 15 you know it's just been like walking and for the rest of their life so it's uh it's great to see so many people are, are realizing that you don't grow old because you're just getting older you grow old because you stop doing doing things you stop moving around um and, and weightlifting has got all the evidence that it, it helps you live longer you know there's a study done on the the thicker your thighs in terms of muscle the longer you live because you're you're more likely to to more likely to avoid breaking your bones when you fall over um and less likely to fall over so you know my nan fell over when she won bingo the other day she clipped her foot on the chair and just fell over smashed her knee um you know it's those kind of silly accidents that can end up crippling you you know and giving yourself a walking stick so bingo's dangerous mm -mm, and exactly exactly it is that's what i said i said don't stop winning then she always wins and it was like she, she only won a, a, a some toilet paper i think you know, 12 12 rolls of toilet paper it's all about the winning mm, but my coach is 75 years old and he still goes to the really? gym yeah and he's got like a, a six pack still hanging around there so you know, he, he's a perfect example of you keep moving. Um, and he's never had an operation or anything, and he did competitive weightlifting till he was 30, 33, 34. So. But I do love that we're having this discussion because a lot of people look at me and see my various injuries and think, or they say to me, well, Nicola, because you're doing this and that, you know, you shouldn't mm. be doing so much. And then obviously you can't overtrain, but like you're saying, exercise is beneficial to you and it longevity of your age and your body and everything. I think it's just a case of learning because when you are younger and you have a mindset of doing more, you sometimes need to listen to your body more rather than let your mind take over. Yeah. And, it, and it's a balance, isn't it? Working out what's right for your body, what muscles are in balance compared to the other ones and so on. Yeah, I think, I think there's a lot where you just think, I saw it coming. I, I should I should have, you know, when I hurt my shoulder a few weeks ago, um, when I woke up in the morning, I had a really heavy week. I got some PBs on the Tuesday, trained on the Wednesday, trained on the th I was coming in on the Thursday, um, and I couldn't. I was in the shower and I couldn't put my hand behind my back, um, and like any normal person would have thought, wow, serious issue. But I thought oh, that's fine. Just warm it up, um, and then I, I got severe bursitis on that on that session that day. So the warning signs was there. That was the time I should have listened to my body, definitely. But I always thought with weightlifting from a competitive standpoint, you know, I'm trying to be as good as I can, trying to get as high as, high as I can and hopefully compete internationally. That, that's something where um, you have to always push that, that you know, 5% further than you, you probably want to, or maybe should, uh, as a gamble to see if you can get, get to that next level. And that's what the competitive guys are. For, for people from a health perspective, I really think listening to your body is like the most important thing going because... Um, you have to separate your your mental worry from the physical worry, of course. But you know, you it, it's, at the end of the day, it's not it's not worth it, is it? You can come in tomorrow, you can do it. That's what I'm saying. If you've got something where you really want to do a personal best today, well, if you don't feel great, come in tomorrow. You know, if if um, if one bit's a bit stiff, just you know, do it the next day. If you do that every single day, then you know you're cheating yourself. But you know, I I I have found that certain times you need times off of weightlifting you need times off to do body weight stuff and relax and and you know i think nicola's feeling that right now is is uh you know she's trained quite hard at the start and then it's just that little reset time some weightlifters do like you know a solid 
you know month month two months off because their their body and mind just needs a reset you know your your kind of nervous systems just just had it and um i think there was a big issue with the build-up for the athletes for the 2012 olympics in the uk is that we had the funding for these athletes to train full-time but we just couldn't the athletes couldn't handle it um a lot of them and and uh there wasn't much progress in the last six months which you, the six months build up to the olympics you'd expect the most progress but because the training program was so hard and the pressure was high and the 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 ability to recover just wasn't there they actually um there wasn't much progress in that last thing and ironically they said the best the guy who was best and improved the most was the bloke who said he was injured and used to skip loads of sessions and come in and pv because he's had a few days that happens rest. a lot we're going to come back and talk about that right after the break and i also want to talk to you about the programming periodizing and everything else to avoid all these injuries so we'll he's fm great west london welcome back because I, I was going to say to you i had a very interesting conversation with somebody recently and they said if you're a normal person you know even a fitness instructor somebody who's quite athletic but you're not an athlete and you were saying, obviously, you want to get the best for your sport because you are an athlete. If you're not an athlete, you don't have to push yourself to beyond pain and that you should be listening to your body because the athletes are the ones that get the rewards and you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you work a normal job or something, you've really hurt your knee um, and you can barely walk around at work, I mean, you're going to suffer the whole week, you know. Mm. For me... Um, uh, I'll take the risk. You know, it's bad. I, I, I coach weightlifting obviously as a job, but you know, worst case, someone can demonstrate and I can talk through it, which I've had to do with my shoulder. Um, but you know, it, I think I see from from a parkour perspective, it was a sport I was doing for myself. So we always listen to our body because there was no pressure really to to kind of push it to that level because uh we're all quite sane really as, as crazy as people might think the sport is we're still trying to be healthy and not we're actually trying to survive so um sports that are kind of you know less competitive and don't have that competitive environment and keep away from that but i think if you're if you're doing weightlifting then you're looking at your friends on on social media and seeing what they're doing and you want to push further even if you're not competing to that high level and i think that's what you see with crossfit is uh, such a high competitive side between the box they'll post like the scoreboard of the workout of the day who's got this time and people will push themselves to a level that um is probably not best for them and so you, you see a lot of people come to me and they say look i really want to learn weightlifting properly because uh you know i've i've slipped a disc or i've got a bulge disc and then uh, i can't even i've just recovering from that and i really want to learn the technique properly now you know they should have never got to that point in the first place because you know it, it's something that will upset the rest of their life let alone just the sport so yeah i think um it's really important to to realize that, that you know you've got you've got your whole life to to do the sport um and uh, uh unless you've got s specific goals and deadlines like there's no there's no point really injuring yourself over over something like that because it should be a sport that promotes the health and weightlifting has a i think one of the lowest injury rates out of all sports as contrary to what people believe you know you only really see the top level injuries like an elbow snap or, or world, world record <laughs> weights rather than i've never seen anyone hurt their elbow really apart from a short kind of um slight dislocation due to bad technique um and and being hypermobile. um but yeah generally it's you know it's a very safe sport it's lower than lower than a lot of lot of other team sports um you know th things like rugby football everyone's you know contact sports you're having problems so talking of the sport and being an athlete and winning what is the reward other than 
trophies and glory. Well, we did a we did a demonstration, a competition. Myself and Noreen Gulam, who competes for GB, um, uh, a kind of a local in-house CrossFit box on on the weekend, and we had a Q and A there, and and we kind of people asked about funding. They said, "What funding is there?" And you know, th- there's essentially none. There's none now. UK Sport have taken it away. Sport England have bonked up British weightlifting uh, and and provided quite a lot of money to save us, really. Um, but there's, it means there's almost none on the elite side of the sport, so there's not really a financial reward in that sense. You know, maybe if you win something big time, you can rely on sponsorship of or you know companies or adverts or something like that. But it's very like unlikely people are going to want to really sponsor weightlifters um, in the same way they might sponsor a tennis player. So um, because the cultural connotations just aren't as you know uh, desirable as as say tennis. So. Um, People, I would say every weightlifter I've met that has been in the sport for a while, they do it because they love the sport itself. They love doing it and they love hard training um, and being challenged every day. Uh, and, you know, one of the coaches said to me, he said, look, the only reason we do this sport is to have have fun trips around the world. And they, I mean, these are the top level guys, so they get to go to world championships. And weightlifting world championships are always in strange places. You know, last year it was in Houston, Texas, which is the first time it's been in America for for. I think maybe 50 years or something ridiculous um, but before that it was in Kazakhstan obviously had Rio Olympics um, uh, I think we, we, generally it's in Turkey then it's in Asia and and so y- you generally find that it's a fantastic experience obviously you're if you're training uh, if you're out there for 10 days and you're in a heavier weight class you're generally not going to be able to go anywhere for quite a few days but you know people have fantastic trips around the world um and, and they, they even training camps and stuff are great uh, great experiences um so, so i think have you traveled yeah so we we do training holidays abroad um our beaches and barbells so we, with that we we run camps in cyprus barcelona um and i if my coach was a bit younger we would have done a lot more because in his past he used to take away teams to to kind of local competitions but we're we're going back out to uh, Cyprus in November to compete in the Pan Cypriot Championships, um, and recently teams went out to Lille in France. They have a really good kind of memorial tournament out there. Um, another club coach he t- took his uh, guys out to Switzerland recently. Um, so we, we, I think uh, that's what people love is the ability to kind of compete in a new area, and 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 um, you know we all sh- it's a, such a small sport that you basically share. Because I was recently in Mallorca. Um, and we met up with Antonio Martinez, and he he was a fantastic like old uh, old school weightlifter. But now he's a coach out there, and he was the most uh, shredded physique I've ever seen on a forty five year old man. If I had his physique now, I'd be be pretty happy. <laughs> um, and he, you know, he he. When I spoke to him, I said, "Oh, you know, do you want any? Uh, uh, how much is today for, to to train at the gym?" And he's like, "No, no, no, it's weightlifting family." Because his English wasn't great, and he's like weightlifting family, and that's all he said. Um, and that that's that's kind of the the mentality is when you when you can share you share an interest and I found that with parkour you bond quite closely but I find weightlifting is even even closer because um, it's so it's such a niche sport you know everyone a lot of people kind of seen parkour and, but I'd say most people don't even know if you ask them what weightlifting is they'll be like uh, bench press deadlifts I don't know they wouldn't really know so it's kind of like a secret club I'd say so let's talk about firstly gaining strength and what kind of like periodized program would you recommend for people like from a beginner 
So a lot of beginners use a program called uh, 531, Jim Wendler's thing, which I'm sure you might have heard of. Uh, but I think it's too easy, but it's it's a basically one that's easy to follow. You won't really get injured, um, and it progresses you know, really, really steadily. I would say it takes too long and it doesn't push you hard enough and it doesn't adapt around the thing, but it's a good one to do if you're unsupervised, you're by yourself, you can just Google 531 Jim Wendler. Um, and I've also heard a lot of people use uh, Mark Ripto's starting strength thing. Um, he advocates a low bar back squat, which isn't very athletic, so I don't really recommend that one. But both of those, I'd say a lot of people use those to start off on the strength training kind of brigade. And then from there, they, they find other things. Um, really... Uh, I would say re sticking to maybe three times a week if you're going to do the do it to begin with. Um, you know, say one day might be a full strength day. You just work on your your squats uh, and then do technique on the lighter lifts, and then another day you might do a heavy deadlifts and then technique on the lifts again, and then on the third day you do assistance exercises like Romanian deadlift, um, overhead squats. Um, you know. Uh, uh, single arm pressing things like that and then and then from there you kind of have a what we call linear progression with regards to the weight that you use so you start off maybe with a rate of perceived exertion like a 6 out of 10 so you shouldn't be like killing yourself because you really want your body to slowly adapt um which is hard to have a, um, a rate of perceived exertion if you're used to endurance sports. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's something that you kind of learn over time. You probably need to have an idea of... Um, Does it actually correlate to the heart rate, though, if you had a heart rate monitor on? Um, no, not so much. Not with the heart rate. It's, it's tough because, uh, obviously, it depends on your fitness level. I'd say the best thing you could do is maybe use a, go on Google and type in a one rep max calculator. So join your first say maybe second week once you've tried all the movements see what you can do for three reps um you know whether you need a spotter there to make sure you're safe when you're doing it see what you can do for three reps you're less likely to get injured doing three reps and then use the online calculator to calculate your one rep max and then you can work out percentages because with, with strength training you want to work between 70 to 85 percent um if you if you're below 70 percent you're not really going to get any strength benefit which is what the problem with a lot of people, the way people train is they don't use a principle of like overload progression. So um, you, you tend to find people go, oh, I can do a, a plank for five minutes now. Well, obviously, if you can do it for five minutes, it's not hard enough, you know, and same with the squats. If you can do 50 reps with the empty bar, it's not heavy enough. Um, and that's the problem with like that 100-day squat challenge is uh, once, you, once you've got a basic level, your body actually does, does stops adapting and weightlifting and, and, and training in general, fitness training, is always about, not about doing, going the, doing the same routine every time. If you want to get progress, you have to move it forward. So with weightlifting, you might start off 70% and then the next week you try, you know, 2.5 kilos heavier, 5 kilos heavier, see how it goes. Um, and, and stay within that range. If you end up going above 90%, especially as a beginner, you're going to struggle with regards to form and safety. Um, it's something that more intermediate and advanced lifters should be hanging around. So for me, I did my first probably two years. I just did five sets of three or five sets of five on squats or deadlifts, even like weighted pull-ups. Um, and uh, and I had fantastic progress. So when I started weightlifting, I could back squat, I think, uh, 150. And then within two months of pushing the percentages up, doing more heavy singles and, and doubles, I, I went up to 170 in two months. Um, so... Uh, that that progress was because of my foundation, not because of the the percentage I was doing. So and 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 I would say one rep max is like doing a single, 
a single lift is a performance of your ability but not actually improving your ability so squatting with like 100 and over is surely it took a long time to even get to that weight didn't it uh, 100 kilos mm. I started I could do 110 when you first started yeah, yeah my very first day I tried it <laughs> um, why would you do that <laughs> you started the Olympic lifting with a broomstick and then you went into squatting yeah. with 100 yeah it was lift. my friends my friends <laughs> they had started maybe a month before me but you wouldn't recommend me. that would you no but it was so easy I mean I don't know if I could walk for three days but <laughs> um yeah, I don't, I don't know, because of parkour, I had such a strong power kind of thing. But yeah, I just, we went to St. Mary's and uh, and my friends were like, we'll try out this box squatting. And then I think I did like, we went up and I could do, uh, it, it could do all the movements as easy as them, even though they'd been doing it for a few weeks before me. Uh, and so I ended up just trying 110, I think, on the first day. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend, I mean, some guys, I know there's, 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 there's one guy who could deadlift 200 kilos without, with, with no training his first day just crazy stuff but yeah I probably wouldn't recommend it um I'd recommend doing five sets of five you know somewhere and just you know the, the fourth and fifth rep should be a little bit bit heated uh so with that um you know doing doing the, uh, w what one coach calls it is putting reps in the bank so you do five sets of five one week and then the next week you do five sets of five again or five sets of three or you know we don't really go over five five reps because it's strength work um so you're uh you're eventually cashing cashing the the reps in at the bank by the end of the program so maybe after like five six weeks you want to try heavier and, and go for some like a heavy set of two or a heavy set of one and then drop down maybe you can do your volume you can do that but for the first few weeks i'd definitely not recommend maxing out there's not there's not much benefit in it let's talk about having a coach obviously I've told people on air that you're my coach I said that you were coming in last week you have a coach and I believe every coach needs a coach obviously I coach people um what would you say is the importance of having a coach um well obviously I spoke about it lots about you know the ego side of things um knowing when when the body when you shouldn't push too far and I think you know especially when you begin you literally have no idea how far is too far or how far it's not you know it's not far enough so um, just from a just from a external eyes during your training, it's really important because you're going to be able to um, you know do a lift, and then your coach should a good coach should be able to sense how much how much more you could do, or whether it's worth it doing it today in, in reference to maybe the next set training session. When with yourself, your ego might take over. You might think today's the day I'm going to max out, even though you might have a competition in a week. You know, I've got a competition on Saturday. Um, so tomorrow, today is just when I go training is just a kind of running um, and kind of like ticking over. So uh, if I was by myself, uh, when I when I used to train by myself, I used to lose the plot and want to max out a week before a competition. So I think a coach is really important for that side of things. The is other is that thing, because mentally you feel like you want to know that you can do those weights. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you you uh, a lot of guys be like, I really want to get this weight because then I know when I go to competition I can do it. But obviously. Um, you know, you, you you cash those reps in early, then you might be too fatigued on the day because to ask your body to perform at you know 100% or get that personal best, you have you have to you can't do that every week. Generally, when you're a beginner, you can more or do it. You could probably hit your PB every every session, but you know, as you get more advanced, it it it's just not something you can do. Um, the other thing is really seeing like w what I referred to earlier as the the plateaus. So 
you know when I when I look at an athlete and the way we're going to develop it I can I can kind of see and predict problems that are going to occur so we had one athlete who didn't really use his hamstrings much during the pool he, he was kind of really upright and I could I, so I said to him he was very new and very strong his progress was fantastic I said to him you need to really work on those that hamstring strength because it is his weak point um, and, that, and that's just going to add kilos so instead of him stagnating and me ignoring it just because he's progressing now I'm looking at this progress in a few months time um, and that's what a coach can really do as well as obviously spotting injuries um, and helping you in reference to your goals achievable goals as well as long term and short term uh, a good coach should be able to, to spot those and, and grow with you and it really annoys me when a coach isn't willing to take the athlete to their potential and where they want to go so if an athlete wants to compete and your coach doesn't want to, doesn't want to do competitions then you probably need to find a new coach um, and that coach should be in a position where they think right okay you've outgrown me let's go on to the next coach you know and, and that's something my, I took from my coach is he said to me you know go where you need to go to, 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 get, to get where you need to be um, and where you want to be so he's not he's not it's not an ownership thing it's it's a it's a a love for for the athlete to do their best you know and get to their best level rather than about the coach themselves and coming from a pt background where i spot everything with my clients why do weightlifters never spot each other um well you're alone on the platform in the competition anyway right so no one but else like when i see them there. doing back squats they never spot them you know obviously you see people squat are helping people with back squats and they're like hugging them from the back <laughs> and yeah. then you guys just leave yourself and then just jump out the way that yeah. just looks so scary how do you manage that yeah i mean it's learning to safely bail like we did it in parkour you know the most important thing in parkour was to learn how to fall from a jump safely or catch yourself um so weightlifting is the same thing learning to drop a snatch safely you know, move out the way of a jerk safely, as well as being able to bail out of a squat uh, that you haven't made safely. So, you know, with weightlifters, because we use high bar, where the bar's quite higher on your shoulders and you've got a really good posture to your chest upright, if you don't make the squat, you actually just sit down straight and then you can just throw it off your back and jump forward. But you have to be comfortable sitting in the bottom position, whereas a lot of people in gyms that have spotters, like some big bodybuilding bloke he, he's not actually comfortable at the bottom he'll probably get injured so he needs that guy to save him and spot him um so the only reason you'd probably squat in in back squat and weightlifting is if you knew it is really on the limit and the person might not be safe going back down you know so if it's really really heavy weight in the bottom position but uh you know you're probably better off having people on either sides of the weight because then the person behind if the if he does throw it off without some bad communication you can end up which has happened people drop the weight onto the person on the knees or something behind them um which is probably more painful than anything else so mm -hmm. um yeah it's just it's, it's just independence with weightlifting and you're training so much right you're doing squats every day so you can't have a spot for everything um but generally like i don't i don't i very rarely squat to a point i know i'm going to fail it anyway i mean you saw it the other day when i threw it off my back on that video um yeah, see, that looks scary. That's what I thought I would make that. Question. I didn't think I would fail that weight, basically. Um, but I, because my back's so strong, I, I don't feel like there's any danger with regards to endurance on my back. So when I'm standing up, I can grind and hold that position. Then if I don't make it, I can just squat back down and throw it off. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably say it's a bit of experience. But if you're new to it, I'd reckon... If I'm, if I'm training someone and it's a client, I'd definitely spot them. Um so yeah i mean it's just it's just something part of the culture and, and and also like i said with powerlifting if you have a low bar back squat your chest is more at risk so you're more likely to fold forward 
um, which is my worst nightmare, I'd say. So, yeah, you probably need a spot for powerlifting style squats. So, have you done um, powerlifting as well? Uh, no, no, not from a. I never do low bar or anything. Uh, no, so that even even if I competed in powerlifting, I would do my my new, my standard squat. And do you ever get scared to lift a certain weight? Like, did you ever experience getting stuck on certain weights for years? Like, you know, when you get that mental number. Mm-hmm. And- you can't go beyond it yeah yeah i mean i definitely like 100 snatch was always annoying in my head especially in training like in competition i i would go for it so it doesn't really matter what the weight is in competition i'll, I'll give it a crack um i'd say yeah what 100 <laughs> snatch and then i i 145 clean and jerk was was an annoying one from a clean perspective in training because um it when you come out of the clean once you land on your shoulders and you're front squatting up it takes a lot out of you uh, so your back can get tired and then if your back gets tired you lose that kind of your breath a bit it, c- it takes the breath out of you in your chest so when you have to jerk you feel like you can you can barely breathe and it's crushing you um, so yeah I mean that that's something that's probably been an annoying number um, but uh, yeah I mean snatch is my biggest technical issue so really it's just the the confidence from me when I grab that bar and I think right I'm going to let this technique work if I can't feel the technique that's a big issue but compared to parkour weightlifting's never been that scary really you know it's not you know the risk of a bar where I'm in control is it feels very different than like kind of letting myself go into a jump and and you could fall yeah but you know I definitely find some people uh, you can see it in their eyes because we were talking about people being scared to like you know just picking the bar up and then not committing I, I never I've never done that you know I've just I've just never um, just picked it up and think no I, when so I grab the bar like I go for it you doing that and you're like what's wrong with her no I can see it at the beginning because <laughs> I've kind of thrown you in right I don't when, when we train I don't you know I'll, I'll pick a weight that is pushing you a bit anyway uh, so I, I, I empathise with that definitely but uh, the top level guys that like we had two guys in our team and they're both known for their like they'll set up they'll be screaming around like trying to psych themselves up pacing back and forth and they'll grab the bar someone will be filming it everyone's watching the gym and then they'll just deadlift it and drop it because uh, they're too scared of it and I, I can't I can't empathise with that I don't understand how you could get so hyped and still not commit you know <laughs> but that's that's the way people's brains work is a bit different is that because you've gone up steadily with your weights um I think I think it's because I know uh the bit the the tipping point where you have to commit where your brain says i am going to do this i do that before the lift like i'd had to do with parkour you do it before you start running for the jump because you can't you can't decide you're going to jump during the running run up whereas with weightlifting you can almost get away with grabbing your hands on the bar and start moving and then decide and that's too late it's too late then for me in my opinion because you have to commit from the floor I feel like you've got such benefit that you did parkour beforehand and you were so young, which obviously people who are younger are fearless, mm-hmm. like children, like even doing roly-polies, an adult is always yeah, upright, yeah, yeah. so to then put their head upside down is a big issue. So the older you get, obviously the harder it is for the mental thing. So I did want to ask you about that because I know that you ride a motorbike as well, which is something <laughs> <laughs> quite scary. It's very dangerous out there. Yeah, it's been raining Do you have a thing well. for, um, like fearful or not fearful but yeah, where yeah. you put yourself in danger yeah I think um, I think there's there was a big there's a documentary done once by um, Tim Sheaf uh, on 
on his parkour experience and um, it was quite a good piece what he said with regards to we're not you know and this goes to this is in relation to motorcycling with parkour with weightlifting it's we're not looking for the thrill we're not we're not looking for a feeling like we've narrowly escaped death we're looking for the feeling of calmness in, in all those activities of control of those of those scenarios in which most people might deem to be uh you know scary or or like kind of adrenaline rush you're actually looking for the resting heart rate in, in that scenario so if i can snatch you know 120 kilos and be in control and the technique go smoothly stand up finish that's what i want you know that's what but the resting heart rate yeah because that <laughs> that's that's when you know you're How? really you're really in control of it um versus having to be like terrified out of your mind you know that's not the thrill um have they done that like scientifically like had people's yeah, heart rate they, they, well they had guy guy martin rode around the tt in the isle of man which is the road racing one the one where like i think several people die each year and you heard of the isle of man tt it's definitely no. worth a watch so they basically right cut off the the island and set a circuit up on the on the streets so you obviously like this type of stuff because you're um, googling it i would it. never do it i'd never do it no, it's a big thing it's a big thing it's on it's on tv every year um and people travel from all over the world to come come watch the tt because it's like the only race still going right because they banned road racing in, in the UK because of obvious dangerous reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but you're, they, they, yeah, they, 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 they uh, put a heart rate monitor on him and his heart rate was so low the whole time. Like, it was just normal. Like, there's nothing going on there for the whole race. And we're talking guys that the average speed, I think, is like 180 miles an hour or something nuts. It's, it's so fast. Um, so... Uh, he's in control of the scenario because his body's so is he not experiencing adrenaline no you don't get that then no when but you they lift. put a rookie they put a rookie on the bike and sent him round and his was like so high you know because the adrenaline affects your concentration you know and you make bad decisions so so where's the thrill then where's the thrill yeah exactly being able to do it so your thrill is afterwards I've achieved that weight yeah but I mean the motorcycling is mainly transport as well because I think this I mean, Warren Hayes, right, it's a horrific traffic at the wrong time of day. So we are coming up towards the end of the interview. Can you tell us a little bit more about the Barbells of Beachy? Because obviously that's your company that you started and um, the podcast that you do as well. Yeah, so uh, we're, um, we started in, like, on paper, it's three years ago, but it's been, like, uh, two years of, of, of our main holidays. Um, so when the funding was lost in weightlifting i really wanted to find a way that we can set up a privatized way to support these top level athletes in the uk so what we do is um we we send the top some of the top lifters in the uk like we recently just had emily godley go away to cyprus um to uh, to coach for a week and we had a fantastic week of training there um yeah and in return she got her warm weather training um paid for so uh, her build up to the to the British Championships, which is a qualifier for the Commonwealth Games, uh, means she you know she actually got some some good training out there as well. Um, so with that, we kind of connect the top level guys with with everybody. So you can you can join us. Um, we also run uh, London Weightlifting Weekends. So we have two days of training in Central London, um, and this time we've got Chris Freebury, who's uh, Commonwealth GB lifter. Um, snatched 130 kilos at 69 kilos body weight. Um, he's he's coaching the weekend in in Holborn, the performance ground, on the 5th and 6th of August. 
Uh, and then we also run coaching qualifications too for British weightlifting. So we're running a, a level two coaching course this month as well. Um, so we really just wanted to connect the, the you know the top guys with with everybody else because a lot of people don't know where they can meet them. And, and with all our stuff, we we try and use the best and most elite coaches we can. Um, and we're even doing a CrossFit holiday as well in September with James St. Ledger, who's the top 0.2% in the world in, in CrossFit. So uh, that's basically our, our goal really is to to use the best and um, and and you know provide real training rather than any sort of like people who claim to be experts uh and and haven't spent the time in the sport you know and that's that's really what with with a sport so technical like olympic lifting i think you know everyone really benefits from from guys that have done it for years and uh uh i you know i, I really enjoy the people we meet because everyone's so so hungry to learn so uh it's been it's been great fun running running it Oh, and the podcast side of things, yeah, we we basically do, we're not as regular as uh, as Nicola is here, so we uh, uh, we do a podcast with our with our coaches, um, and, and when we're away on our holidays, so uh, you can find us on on our YouTube channel, uh, just just YouTube Beaches and Barbells, as well as uh, we use Spreaker, uh, which is an app um, to upload it there. So I mean, they're, they're, you don't even need to download the app; you can just do it on the internet and listen to it. So it's a great uh, great insight into hopefully I give a good interview. Um, but the the guys are fantastic because you very rarely get to hear from the best in our country, really, because it's such a, a closed, quiet sport um, and gives you a good insight. And everyone's quite everyone's quite fun, I think. Yeah, and we were just saying before, there's a lot of American podcasts, isn't there? So you don't really get to hear from your local people. And this is Hayes FM, and obviously you're from this area, so it's great. Um, lastly, tell us about your competition on Saturday. Uh, Sunday. Sunday. Or do you mean last Saturday? You- no, your competition this Saturday. Yeah, this Saturday. Yeah, so it's on this Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. You said Saturday earlier. Did I? No, I did a competition on Saturday. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, that was like a, a demonstration one in uh, NMA performance in uh, Fairham, which is a fair bit away. But, uh, yeah, then that was a... Basically, he asked, he said, do you mind doing a, a demonstration at our competition so, we, you know, we can show hopefully what good lifting is like. Um... So and you was, weren't pushing to your limit there? No, no, especially not with my injury. Saving yeah, for this yeah. competition. Yeah, I was just trying to look a bit sharpish, but I still still missed three lifts out there, so that wasn't great. But <laughs> it was a, it was a good running to see where I am with regards to my injury and, and what kind of stage I'm at a week before the British Championships, which is on Sunday. So that's a two-day event at the Rico Arena in Coventry. So is that the one that you won before? Yeah, won that one last year. This year's not looking great because the guy who snapped his elbow is very good. He's come back and the, the competition's higher. So, uh, especially with my injury, you know. So are you like head-to-head with somebody else, do you think? There's a few guys, yeah, that are quite meaty that I like to, like, we battle off. They're, they're all from the London Southeast region. So we had a really good battle in um, in uh, November last year where we're all, like, so close. Like, we just edging, edging around each other. Uh, and then the English, the English was an okay battle, but uh, some of us weren't, weren't in the best shape. But so the British chance would be good to see see where we are. But you know, if it comes down to the day and my shoulder's just not good enough, um, I'll probably have to pull out. But we'll see tonight how it is. Um, it's always a bit of a time bomb. Obviously, I was training so hard, and then I ended up hurting my shoulder. So um, it's not it's not a great position to be in. Um, but you know, I enjoy competing, and uh, and two of our guys who are um, national champions have, have moved to one of them moved away from work and the other one's moved for another club for a bit so uh, essentially I'm the I'm the only guy who's going to the British Chance whereas last year it was three of us so 
Um, I'm I'm the one flying the flag for Brunel this year, so I feel like partially I'm pressured to do it. But my doctor said I'm not going to do any damage if I lift. It's just about the, the pain in the shoulder, really. That's good news. Good and bad news. <laughs> so how can we um, get details to come along, watch you and support? So uh, you can buy tickets on BritishWeightlifting.org. Um, you can also turn up. Um, I think if you buy it online, there's there's, there's discount as well, so you, you're better off buying it in in, in advance. Um, the program's up there, so are definitely worth checking out the competition schedule. Um, the the Saturday's got the most amount of weightlifting, but I'm on the Sunday, so you know <laughs> you go out for the weekend. The the Sunday morning, you've got the Paralympic bench press in the morning, and then we, then a lot more weightlifting in the afternoon. So if you want a day, I'll definitely travel. So it's up. part of um, powerlifting as well. Uh, just the Paralympic stuff, yeah. Because uh, I know a lady doing that. I wonder if she's there. Oh really? What's her name? Sita. Uh, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, I remember we you call, mentioning we call she her did rims. It. Yeah, she might be. There's, there's a. I just don't know many who who do it. Obviously, apart from the top, the top guys. Um, and I think the uh, the world world champion, our guy, is uh, is not not competing this weekend because he's got Crohn's disease and he's not in good shape. But he's, uh, I think, he's bench pressed like 190 at at 50, 56 kg body weight or something which is a massive weight um, but he's all triceps his arms are massive uh, so yeah it's uh, it's quite crazy what they can lift but we're out of time now oh. so finally tell us where we can find um, you on social media if anyone wants to follow so uh, my most active source is Instagram and that's at uh, Christian and Kilos that's Christian with a K so K-R-I-S-T-I-A-N and Kilos uh, also, I've got Twitter, but I'm not too active, and that's just at Christian McPhee. Uh, and then I'd really recommend you follow our for all our fun holiday stuff at Beaches and Barbells. That's on Instagram, or uh, or visit our website beachesandbarbells.com if you want to see what we do. Uh, and of course, Facebook too, Beaches and Barbells. Um, we we try and even if you're not coming on holidays, I think we've got some fantastic uh, material out there if you want to see the the stuff we do. Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. And I will leave all of those um, details, all of the videos and everything in the show notes on the podcast or on Facebook if anyone wants to contact me if you still fit. Thank you. Cool. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. So that was today's show. I hope you enjoyed. And if you have a story to share and you'd like to come onto the radio and you're local, obviously, to 91.8 Hayes FM, please get in contact with me on social media. My handle is at FustelFit, F-E-U. S-T-E-L-F-I-T If you have anything else you'd like to share, health and fitness or body image or mental health and you can do that on the podcast from anywhere around the world again contact me on the same handle. So I've got coming up on the 19th of August a mental health awareness event that I'm doing for charity, the charity Mind. I'm doing that alongside Into Uxbridge which is a shopping centre that's local to me and we're going to be doing fitness classes for everybody to feel the endorphins that exercise creates and can also help people with their mental health. We'll be talking about mental health openly on the mic and streaming it live with Hayes FM. So if you'd like to come along to that, please do. You can join in the activities. You'll get a goodie bag, some prizes that you might be able to win. And also you can play the drums. We've got drums, drum unity coming in and... Um, that's going to be fun activities for the whole family. Let's uh, let's get talking about mental health. Let's break down those stigmas and raise awareness. 
If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave Nicola a review on iTunes. You can also check out the show notes and get other free content on her website, fustalfit.co.uk. If you'd like to contact Nicola, email nicola at fustalfit.co.uk. 